Your life can be full of inspiration and magic, and you don't need glass slippers to get there. Welcome to the podcast for real life heroines with author, speaker, and coach, Susanna Liller. Join us as we work with key elements of personal development to assist you in hearing the calls that life has for you. Be inspired, be empowered, and be encouraged. Let's start today's episode with your host, Susanna Liller. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to my podcast for real life heroines and heroes. You'll see I have a hero on today. And this is where I get to interview people about how they have answered a call and gone on a heroine's journey or a hero's journey, which I believe is about us evolving into our next what iteration of ourselves, which keeps us growing to our more authentic self, which is what my guest today, John Schuster, his work has been all about. And I want to welcome you, John. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thanks, Susanna. It's wonderful, wonderful to see you again, be reconnected, and I'm glad I'm here. I want to tell people because I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about coincidence on the journey and if there is no such thing, perhaps. But I started my coaching journey at the Institute, the Hudson Institute of Santa Barbara, where you were my first group leader. And you had just published your book, which we're going to talk about today, Answering Your Call. And I remember looking at it as we were getting ready to begin and and then there you were, obviously, in the group leader's chair. And I said, oh, you're the author. And you said, yes, I'm the author. Right. And that, that, for me, my Hudson experience set off such a journey of discovery, self-discovery. And I found my calling in um, learning about the hero's journey and but we're not going to talk about my calling. Mm -hmm. I want to say a few words, though, about you. Um, you're an author of several books, I think four or five, not just answering your call. Um, executive coach and teacher, um, over 30 years of helping leaders, most specifically helping leaders on their journey. And I want to read from your website which is johnpschuster.com, because I think this really says it. Your work, which you say takes many shapes and directions, often includes the profound and not so easy process of assisting clients to tune into the essential person, the original self that lies underneath all the learning and acquired competencies that they have acquired on their leadership journey the original essence does not have all the answers, but it better be consulted before any major decisions or directions are put into motion. So authentic leadership, the authentic person, to me is what the journey is about, is uncovering that, because we tend to cover it up. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, it gets covered up for us too. And uh, between our own covering and then the inevitable uh, 
social processes of growing up. Uh, the uh, I, I remember I was in a, a psychology class not not long, I guess quite a while ago now, maybe a decade. And uh, someone said, or the teacher said, all socialization or growing up is a narrowing of who you are. And I remember thinking, well, that's kind of a dark summary, but uh, yeah, that's what happens to us, Susanna. <laughs> and so then at some point we decide, or we don't, to start digging underneath that stuff to release what's already been there. And so for me, that process, that journey starts with a call, which is why, well, and you know, when I wrote my book about the heroine's journey, um, I quoted you and, and there's so much I could quote from this book, but I quoted how calls come and, and and where they come from, but I'd like to start, and we're gonna go through that if I may ask you to do that with me, take a walk love through. Yeah, um, so the first, how would you define it? This, this thing that tends mm -hmm. to limit us, un, help us to unlimit ourselves. Yeah, it's, 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 it's mysterious in the, in the sense that it uh, kind of defies definition. Uh, and a definition to me is kind of a left hemisphere activity of, uh, you know, nailing something down and bounding it. Very useful to have left hemisphere skills because all kinds of things that have to happen in the world need those definitional uh, truths about them. But uh, but the callings def uh, defy that. It's one of those things that's larger than what our, 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 our um, linear mental constructs can uh, can get around. So it's, it has that mysterious sense of an urge, a push, a dissatisfaction, which uh, sometimes a, a, a spiritual yearning, all those things together, uh, you know, which, which leads to a restlessness. There's a great line from Rumi that said, or Hafiz, I forget which of the great Persian poets that says, the body will become restless until the soul paints all its beauty on the sky. <laughs> And, and so when, when I have a anxious, sometimes uh, you, you, I'll, I'll, I'll have clients that can be restless and the, you know, the, the normal word for that is anxious or nervous or something, but I was, there's good restlessness, you know, in terms of you know, what could be going on. So. Because people wonder how it will come and am I maybe not recognizing it? And one thing that I often say, and I would check in with you on this is that a genuine call doesn't go away. It will just keep appearing. That feeling will keep coming. Would you agree? Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, annoyingly persistent. <laughs> uh, maybe not always annoying, but it sure doesn't go away. So it will be as much as you push it back, which of course, one of my heroes is Joseph Campbell and he labeled that refusal of the call yeah very much what we do and and I certainly have done it and we just keep no that will be too hard or I can't do that and we push it down yeah 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 absolutely right there's a that great poem hound of heaven uh, is that my excuse me for being poetic here this will pop out these things pop out of me you know, <laughs> But it's I, I fled him. He he 
in that poem, the Thompson uh, personalized the call. He calls it a hymn. Somebody, it's pursuing you. And it says, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And so you, you can flee this thing, but it, but it keeps persisting. <laughs> Sometimes I think then we get a wake up call if we don't listen. Do you think like something more shakes us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, it's not uncommon for people to have uh, big positive events. It's, you know, wow, you know, kind of, there can be big negative events um, that shake, that rattle our cages. And basically, your ear, to use some psychology language, your ego structure is being challenged because it's all about control and uh, predictability. And when it's when when it's getting challenged, it's it's uh, that those are the wake up calls. Yeah. And I would think too that um, sometimes you perceive the calls as happening to you, not coming from within. But I think even those come within, you know, people will, coaching client will come and say, I hate my boss, I hate my job, I have to get out of there. And then the next thing you know, they've been fired or laid off. So it's sort of, yeah, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> it was your call, you know, to get you out of there. Yeah, yeah that's right. Where, where do they come from? <laughs> Great question. Part of the mysterious, mysterious part of all this. Because the human mind is so capable of levels of thinking, the answers to that question or the responses to that question can be multiple, Susanna. But I think there's a biological urge to, within us to, uh, you know, to, to uh, excel. It comes out of a sense of excellence sometimes. Um, it comes out of society. Society will early on get young kids to think about service and uh, what, what would, what would, how can you be of service to this world? I went to a Jesuit high school for a while and it said, um, or the Jesuits have uh, men and women for others, for others. And so it can come from society, a, a, you know, a great parent. And, uh, sometimes people miss that. Uh, probably does not come from much of the culture, which will tend to keep us shallow, but, but the best parts of the culture, teachers, um, good relatives. Um, so there's a sociological, a psychological, and certainly there's that spiritual sense. And that's where um, a lot of people put the word calling into a uh, psycho-spiritual space. And I tended to deal with that quite a bit in answering your call, but I also kept it pretty pretty human and and with, without uh, necessarily people who don't have a faith orientation or something of which there are many so yeah it comes from all kinds of places <laughs> we can say it comes from your intuition it comes from your yeah. inner knowing um yeah you don't have to say yeah god or some or the universe even yeah yeah you can see a universe is is useful. I mean, I think you can say higher self. Most people know that we'll be, there's a instinctual self, more physically oriented, biologically driven, and there's a and then there's a, for for many of us, spiritual, not religious. The SNRs of the world, of which there are millions and millions, um, are spiritual, but they don't have a faith orientation. But they would they would still recognize, and we would still recognize the word higher self. And then, of course, if you have a faith orientation, there's a whole other 
what direction you can you can take it. Right. Right. So where they come from, how they arrive, maybe we've talked about that. For some people, it's a jolt, a positive jolt. Sometimes it's a bad experience, a nudge, could be a very little whisper. It could be a bop on the head. I, my calling to talk more and teach more about the heroine's journey, I went to a lecture and fell in love with the whole concept of the hero's journey. I know that you, now I'm kind of remember, because I think you said you were in your 30s when you decided to become an entrepreneur. Was that a calling? And how did that happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, it was, uh, it, it was an early, I was in my early 30s, actually, I was about 31. And I decided to, uh, you know, start a start a business. And uh, it was it was high, high, probably high risk, you know. <laughs> and uh, I had, I had no start and I had to what they call it uh, bootstrap I had to bootstrap you know I didn't have any any cash hardly or anything and it just had had, re had had a recent divorce with some kids to two sons to support and, but uh I took my little bit of savings I, I lived without a car for a while I uh, didn't have health insurance I remember one of the first presentations I went to Susanna I had to uh, I think I took a bus to the presentation which in a midwestern city was in Kansas City was not a it wasn't like New York where buses took a bus and then I got a ride home with one of the participants, <laughs> you know, so, so it was a wing and a prayer kind of thing, chewing gum and bailing wire. And, uh, uh, but, but, but inside I felt, I knew I was learning so much. It felt so good to be free of social, of the social constraints. I had done 10 years of work before that high school teacher, social worker, had a really good uh, run at the environmental protection agency, by the way, for a while very green, very feminist place and very fair place. The federal government was looking at fairness. But but after a, about three or four years there, I could tell I wasn't in the right position. I didn't have the right stuff, not an environmental science degree or anything. So so that had stopped. And then I came across a leader, uh, a leadership team that I had pretty much lost respect for. Good Good people, but I didn't think they were up to the job in some ways. So I, I took off, and but I did have one model, uh, Susanna, a wonderful entrepreneur himself, a guy named Bill McGrain in Cincinnati, who uh, had his own business. And so I had a one model uh, of a male. It was a male figure for me, so it was a same sex. Um, wasn't country, you know. I learned a lot. I've learned so much from the women, women teachers in my life, but this was one of my great men teachers, and um, it was. Those were that's how I took off, and it, it it felt like a calling. And then that good news for me is it worked it slowly, made some more money, and now I've been doing it for you know forty years. So yeah. You talk in your book, and and I certainly have said myself that that fear is often <laughs> a, a companion when we answer our callings. And you talk about you know there's different types of fear, but usually the type of fear that comes with a you call it the soul dread kind of fear. <laughs> you probably were feeling that a lot at the mm -hmm. beginning in particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had, uh, well, I didn't know enough to be too fearful. <laughs> it helps to be ignorant. <laughs> and, uh, 
And uh, so I've had I've had that soul dread feeling, of course, many times. Probably, you know, you know what has hit me more is conversations that have had to happen. That I said, oh, you know, when I have this, I'm dreading a conversation, but it needs to have, take place. I think there's a calling nature to that, a courageous nature that has to show up. But the the career thing itself had its moments. Uh, certainly had its moments when I was scared, but I was having too good a time to, and I was too young to know how risky it was. <laughs> So then that prompts the question, and, and on the hero and heroine's journey, we call them threshold guardians, and you call them, you call them saboteurs, that you'll get a calling, and then people outside of you, or even your own thoughts, want to upend you, and, and, and you referred that that could be your ego. What would you say? How was your did the saboteurs rise up and try to keep you back? Uh, well, my uh, my family was not one of them. Uh, that was that was very helpful. Uh, they uh, they were kind of neutral. They were. Uh, I had a sister that was showed a lot of support. Came down from Chicago to Kansas City to uh, you know make sure everything was just to stay in touch. It was it was sweet sweet of her to do that, but. Uh, uh, more more neutrality and uh, well afterwards I found out I guess I remember about two years into it uh, somebody told me you know I have a good friend who says there's no way you can you can pull this off in Kansas City there's not enough not enough industry around here or not enough the, the, the industry isn't mature enough and the industry was about this big at the time there was no coaching yet or you know so so I remember hearing a little bit but uh, I didn't attract too many from the outside. Um, the inside saboteurs, uh, I was able to ignore enough, and there weren't enough of them because I was so young. To uh, like going out, going without insurance, I don't recommend. You know, <laughs> a car would have been nice to have, but I, yeah, I, I assumed it would be temporary, and it was. So. You know what I hear the most, and I recognize this as what we have learned is supposed to go with success and and it's I'll never make as much money doing that as I'm making now in this secure whatever um I'm not smart enough I need more credentials I mean you could have said I've never studied this you were I, well you were an English major I think like I was so mm -hmm. there you are going into leadership development there must have been thoughts that you had that what do I know about leadership development mm -hmm. yeah there was plenty of that uh, but uh, yeah there were certainly times when I knew I was out of my uh, yeah out of my league but what, what I did do was uh, uh, I stayed close to home in other words uh, I, I started off with small businesses I didn't start off with the corporations that we ended up with some 10 years later, you know, 10, 10 or 12 years later. But uh, so because it was, it was like you maybe that grace thing was happening or something, Susanna, because there were little, you know, little opportunity, little windows, I'd see a little window and they do a little something there. And then eventually it got big enough to support me and Patricia. We had, you know, 10, 10 of us in, in the company and a lot of contractors. So, but we always took it a step at a time. And it started, it started then the, uh, yeah, I remember a few times just being worried about money, you know, uh Oh, 
you know, am I going to, I'd make this much and my expenses would be more than that. And I didn't have very much saved. So I, I had $5,000 in the bank. I know <laughs> so. how to start. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to go on on a limb and, and say that that grace thing, I've looked at it and I feel like it's almost like I've been guided mm -hmm. um, yeah. and different people reach out at different times and kind of help you and that that's the coincidence thing um but i find you know and then again joseph campbell says take one step toward the gods and they'll take 10 steps towards you <laughs> great great what a great quote and you get pulled along and i i think if it is resonating um and that's always something to check in on mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah well that's yeah jung gave, gave it that great term synchronicity or coincidence, and it's that notion that there's an a-causal uh, cause. <laughs> it's not necessarily cause and effect, as the linear, as the left hemisphere would know it, but there's certainly some kind of uh, archetypal causation happening. Yeah. So I know you also talk in your book about how you can have more than one call going on at the same time or in different areas in your life. How would you? Just could you say a bit about that? How you... Yeah, well, I realized uh, there are a lot of books being written on calling and purpose and mission in life and all that uh, at the time. Still are. Uh, people are always writing about this topic. And I, I almost didn't put the book, my book out there because I thought, oh, it's already been written about. But I had my own things to say about that. And one of the things I got worried about was uh, it was it was being way too dramatically proposed. It was like big drama. This is a big drama. It's the choice of your life. You got one big. And I would watch uh, younger people face like a vocational question. I was raised Catholic, Susanna. So I'd see priests and nuns, you know, at age 20 saying, or age 18 or whatever, saying this is the call. Well, so, so it was true for them that they had the one big decision, although many of them reversed it later on and all that. But uh, my sister being one of them, she was a nun for five years. She didn't take her final vows. Um, but I, when I was in my early 30s, uh, and then I, I wrote the book when I was 50, so I watched myself, I, I nagged myself, Susanna, kind of like it sounds like you have, for, you know, for, for years and decades, it becomes this question, this circle around, right? Is that your... Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You keep. And so because I, after about two decades, two, 25 years, actually, my first journal entries were in my 20s writing about it, um, I decided I was ready to write the book. And uh, what I had discovered was that I had showed up in life in soulful ways, in many different ways, in many different ways. So I said, well, I didn't have one call. I had a call to parenting. I had a call to uh, start a business. So the call to the marketplace, I called it, you know. Um, and I, I, do, I found lots of wonderful human beings in business. Uh, and so that made me think, oh, I could be a business person. I never had thought of that before. I found artists, you know, there were artists who were pursuing, but they weren't always full-time artists. And so I thought, well, of course we have multiple calls. And so I, I started thinking about it and, and how, how, uh, how I got influenced on that later, Susanna, was I started using the word soulfulness. And there's many ways to be soulful. And if, if you read Thomas More's Care of the Soul, of course, he, he doesn't use the word calling that much. He does, but he's more into go, go cook yourself a really good meal, really get into the food and the joy of 
of the harvest and look what the earth is look what the planet has provided for you you know and oh let's go listen to some good music and hear that hear the artists really pour that so all these things became soulful so as soon as i expanded to that topic i didn't realize i was kind of bridging my way into the what is a calling what is soul what is soulful living and there's certainly bigger spaces in there to play with so really and you talk about it in the book that you know it it it's a choice all the time of what will take you to a more a deeper place a more soulful place or to stay on a more it, it sounds judgmental but shallow level but sometimes and i talk about it as staying in your comfort zone and i say sometimes it's just perfectly fine to stay in your comfort zone and not have a, a call come upon you maybe you're just living for a while um because i think some people think oh no i don't have a call and it's not happening and what's wrong with me and i guess that prompts the question does everybody get a call mm -hmm. well so I, that's a wonderful question and i would say we're all called to depth we're all called to uh, to love and, and and serve and what 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 stage you end up on are you going to be on a big stage and be, uh, you know, uh, president of a company? Are you going to be, in, in, you know, a, a big educator? You know, some people have big minds and big opportunities and they end up on these big stages. Most of us have pretty small settings. But that doesn't mean you can't live it with high, high heart and quality of life. And, and uh, I remember then, I think I wrote about this uh, in uh, the transformative power of human consciousness is we can turn everything into a calling. And so when you go to the local coffee shop and you run into your barista that you really care for, and, and they are pouring themselves into, you know, making customers feel welcome and making their best coffee brew, they put, that's a calling. They've, they've turned something uh, into a, uh, an act of service. So that's the transformative power of their consciousness that makes the little things a calling. So I ended up realizing, oh, wow, they're all over the place. It's what we do with them that matters. And so you talk about a called life. And so maybe that's what you just described, making making all those moments matter and putting your full self into every moment. And that could be, each one could be entering into a into your coffee shop and getting the call to have more of a substantive interaction with that barista, <laughs> right? Instead of just yeah. and going and sitting down. Yeah, yeah, well, there's only, yeah. How, how much consciousness can we, can you can you stand is kind of the question you know, how, how deep can we stay for how long and the answer is uh, jung had a great phrase he said we each have to find our own gradient of development what's our gradient our, our income what's the incline and some people have a steep incline you know they're on all the time others but mo most of us we'll do this for a while and then we'll relax and we'll, we'll and, and put and so we are we're all about our own pace uh, gradient and pace maybe are the same words 
and so I think you can have long periods of time in your life when you're not particularly called, you're not, but, but your very normal roles, uh, being a mom, being a, you know, being a mom is such a huge calling. So, uh, or being a friend, you know, being a friend is a beautiful calling. And so those are the ways I, I, I thought about it when my life was career-wise not going anywhere. Uh, that's okay. There's plenty, there's plenty of life around us to live. Sort of like there's a time for everything, right? And mm -hmm. um, so that's good because I, I never want people to feel like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But I do want them to be aware that there is such a thing as a call and mm -hmm. that I do believe that everybody is asked to grow in life to evolve. And so they will get some knock on the door like Gandalf knocked on Billboard. <laughs> and, you know, to go on an adventure into the unknown. And um, the really, I feel that that's part of our joint destiny. If we choose to go there and it's always a choice, right? It's always a choice. John O'Donoghue's wonderful poem, uh, May Our Minds Come Alive Today to the Invisible Geography That Leads to New Frontiers. And so I think there's an invisible inner geography and just come alive to it as best we can. So um, just one more thing about this and then I wanna ask you about your current um, call, because I think maybe you've had a more recent call, but um, the because people will say, how do you know the difference between the ego speaking to you or if it's a real call? And that's a tough one. And I wonder how you help people with that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, the, the, uh, I think the answer is, uh, the response is, I, I started to stop using the word answer because <laughs> it's like, but response is a good word. One response to that question, Susanna, is you don't know at first. Uh, it takes a little, I think that's why we journal, for instance. If you journal, of course, that's the self and the ego having a talk. What the ego do today, and by that I mean your ego structure, what did my normal life bring to me today? Oh, I, you know, did the wash, I worked two hours on this project, I did, 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 did you know, whatever it is, did the dishes. And, you know, and so, you know, you can, but, but the, the self is underneath then, uh, underneath that ego kind of observing you, you know, so who's the witness? And uh, I think after a while you will start to realize which, which witness, uh, where the witness is versus where the ego structure is, but it takes a lot of practice. And you can, that, that's part of those uh, soul dread moments when you're not sure if this is the, person I should marry, if this is the place I should move, if this is the job I should take. Those are big moments in, in the normal person's decision life. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, and, and you sit with those in anxiety, I think, for a while. You let the anxiety come. You don't rush it. You stay with the anxiety. You don't project onto something. You know, you, you, you it helps when you learn you've been projecting on certain things. <laughs> oh, this will be great. Oh, that'll really work. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> and so when you have enough of those, you learn, I guess. Uh, and you uh, you get more realistic. 
and 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 more soulful. I hope. I love John that you talk about sitting with the anxiety because I think that's part of it, and not to run away from it. To know that, of course, when you're pondering something like that, there will be anxiety, and and so there's and this was from your book, your book, and now I'm not seeing it right in front of me, but Frodo, um, yeah, he says, I will take the ring, makes a decision, though I do not know the way. So just <laughs> at some point you have to, you're in the anxiety, you make the decision, but now what? But you, no. your soul or whatever has led you to that point yeah and yeah. the ambiguity you just have to live in it for a while mm -hmm. uh, yeah mm -hmm. yeah the, jim jim hollis james hollis the great psychologist with all those great books he was one of my main teachers in the psychology class he says uh, so there's you know there's kind of two paths there's the security path and there's the adventure path well, the security path the price you pay for security is boredom and depression the price you pay for the adventure is anxiety have a nice day <laughs> right oh. so so if you're going to take the adventure path be prepared for anxiety because you you can avoid the anxiety and just go go get depressed and, de and bored <laughs> and of course, of course it's not that stark but he's he's making a point Making a point, don't get too comfortable. Part of the journey is that anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the ego will get in there, try to talk to us. I love you talking about journaling because one of the things I have my clients do is journal. And we journal using Julia Cameron's Artist Wave pages, which you must know, where mm -hmm. she you know, encourages us, well, what she says, do three pages in the morning. And usually the self shows up on the third page. <laughs> gotten all the, all the regular stuff out of the way, but it's a wonderful tool, I think, to get in touch with that self. And I think to have a practice, meditation, journaling, whatever, that helps you hear that voice so you can hear your call is very mm -hmm. important. So I'm thinking now, maybe this is where I ask you, John, what, what is this most recent call that maybe you'd want to share with us? So you were going along being in your role, teaching CEOs, highly regarded in that world, leadership, and then... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the good news is it's uh, all, all kinds of good news in here, I suppose, Susanna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how to describe it exactly yet, but the, what, what, I'm 72 now, be 73 in about two months. And so the aging process has been great for me in terms of uh, uh, going deeper. It, it just automatically happens if you allow it. You know, and, and some some people aren't... Um, aren't given the opportunity that I am. I'm kind of privileged that way, you know, that I've had more time to be reflective. And, and uh, so um, I, haven't had, I haven't had to work as hard, basically. 
and it's not it's nice to still be work i didn't know i'd be working this this long in my life you know <laughs> so it's like well i didn't know i'd be 72 and still working i work about 25 percent of the time now but it's been a really slow because i've been my own boss all those years with patricia my wife we had this business and we slowly guided you know kind of glided it down to where it's at now uh where it'll stay for a while we don't Call, we don't push it. We don't also push it away. You know, we don't push it to happen. We don't push it away. We just let it happen. And so I'm not coaching in, in corporations and your work now is mostly coaching. Yeah, yeah, mostly coaching. So I started teaching coaching a couple of years before we met, Suzanne. Yeah, and uh, then I taught at Columbia University and at the Hudson Institute of Coaching both and I have had the privilege of doing that. But the aging process has kind of matured me out uh, to to accept new new versions of this calling and of my purposeful life, and uh, so that's been the that's been the rich part. So I'd have to say aging is a part of it, maturing, accepting it. Uh, I'm still I, I still have plenty of vitality, so I'm active. It's not like I sit around, but uh, being active. And when I was uh, about 20 years ago, my wife bought me a guitar. And so I, if, if we have time here, I'll, I'll sing a little song before we're done. <clears throat> I'd love to. Yeah. I'll do it. And, and that's, that's part of my calling right there is the artist's call. You know? So I had the call to writing and, the, and then the call to authorship, the call to the marketplace. The call to music has been real for me. And I'm not a musician. I'm not good enough to do that, but I am good enough to convey messages through music. So that's been one of them. And then more recently, uh, I've had to, uh, be, uh, I'll say some of this comes from the polarity in the country, you know, the sadness and the, and the anger, kind of in this, uh, what do we call it? I heard someone call it a cold civil war. You know, we're in a cold war, but it's a civil war. And I've been, I've been watching this since I was 20 years old and Vietnam was going on, you know, the culture wars going on. So uh, the sadness of that and the and the and the, and the uh, fear that you know this this we we may not do we may not make it as a as a democracy uh, if we don't treat ourselves better um, uh, that got me thinking about you know I had lots of opinions about a lot of things you know I was reading and and finally I realized I think I'm valuing my my mental constructs too much and so I started uh, doing more. Uh, kind of contemplative combination of Eastern and Western. I have a, I have a Catholic background, so I have this real kind of a Christ, natural Christian orientation, but I've always loved the Eastern religion since I started studying them too. So I kind of get rid of my opinion, my, my opinion, and I, I thought I was really, to be smart was important. To, it's not that anymore, it's to be heartful. And I stay informed enough to be informed, but I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm pushing my mind away, but I'm also not feeding it and with, with my ego, needing to know this about this issue and this about this. Activists probably need to know that. I'm not an activist. So, yeah. Yeah. so does that help a little bit? I can tell you more, but that's some of it. And I absolutely relate as somebody who's going to be turning 70 next month. And hey, hey. happy birthday almost. And no, sorry, in November, not next month. And um, yeah, that need to know, reading the paper every day, front to back. <laughs> yeah, and wanting, you know, so there's, you're right, the mind wants to, and the ego wants to know everything. 
be on top of everything and have opinions. Yeah. So sing us your song. All right. So good. All right. So uh, if, if the guitar thing doesn't work here, I'll just sing the words. It's a song by Enya. And uh, it's called Pilgrim. And, uh, you know, when she sings her songs, she has about 32 tracks or something. <laughs> she floods she floods the studio with these beautiful echoes. And so I make a folksy version of it, but uh, let's see what happens. You'll, you'll hear the calling nature of this, uh, of this beautiful song, how long it takes to uh, stay at it. So be persistent in your calling. sure it's tuned right. How's that sound okay? Sounds good to me. Pilgrim, how you journey on the road you chose to find out why the winds die and where the stories go. All days come from one day. That much you must know. You cannot change what's over, but only where you go. One way leads to diamonds. One way leads to gold, another leads you only to everything you're told. In your heart you wonder which of these is true, the one that leads to nowhere, the one that leads to you. Will you find an answer in all you say and do? Will you find an answer in you? Each heart is a pilgrim. Each one wants to know reasons why the winds die and where the stories go pilgrim on your journey you will travel far pilgrim it's a long way to find out who you are pilgrim it's a long way to find out who you are, Pilgrim. It's a long way to find out who you That's perfect. A lovely song by 
Can you? It's a lovely song, and I wanna, I wanna speak to that essence of you, in that song. Who's who's not all over his left brain, but that essence, <laughs> and ask that essence what what can you leave us with as far as some wisdom for and you know it's you left us with the song, but. What are the words to the people listening that you would want to be sure that they got from you today? Courage, persistence, fun, joy, lighten up, uh, love what's in front of you, take it a moment at a time, be in the now, witness, witness, you know, observe yourself and take yourself out of your whatever's going on and take yourself just just witness all day long so that that self has some space to work and uh yeah and then it's all about the ultimate law of the universe is love so if it's if it's uh, heading you towards love you're you know you're on your calling so that john schuster is just lovely and i i thank you so much for sharing yourself and your wisdom and your your journey, your pilgrim's journey with us. And very, I'll be very interested to see where that journey takes you. And likewise for myself, Suzanne, I'm so glad we, we crossed paths again. And thanks so much for inviting me to be here. Welcome. Is there anything in particular? It's certainly I'm going to have um, your website up there. Is there. Anything else you want people to know about you? that might be coming up for you or how they can reach you? Yeah, that's great. Well, my LinkedIn profile is where I'm publishing my blogs these days. So, okay. uh, yeah, okay. but, so that's, that's the, that's all they need to know is they'll find me on, on LinkedIn and hopefully see, see more of me there. If you want to contact me, of course, be happy to talk to them. Great. And I'm hoping personally that our Hudson Institute of Coaching is going to have its normal conference, maybe, I don't know, maybe next year, who knows? And then I, can maybe I think see. they're talking about it. Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't that be great, Susanna? That would be great. And I think they are gonna do it, so. That would be great. I would give you such a big hug, so. <laughs> there. Great. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more about Susanna and how she can assist you in your heroine story, go to SusannaLiller.com forward slash blog or find us on social media and YouTube by searching Susanna Liller. You can also email us directly at Susanna at SusannaLiller.com. We'd love to hear from you. To be encouraged and inspired outside of the show and blog, check out You Are Heroine, a retelling of the hero's journey written by your host and coach, Susanna, available on Amazon. Until the next time, be well, heroine.